0: On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are trying desperately to get home for Christmas with Hawkeye on Disney+, going feral in the wilderness with a girls' football team in yellow jackets on Sky Atlantic, discovering that murder is child's play in doll-oriented horror spin-off series Chucky on Sky Max, and hearing a testimonial from a man accused of murder in You Don't Know Me on BBC One. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, coming to you this week exclusively on Pluto TV, the leading free television (laughs) streaming service, apparently, albeit one that neither you nor I nor anyone in the 32nd century has ever actually heard of. But let's get into that in just a minute, because I'm joined, as is my want, by my two Pilot TV co-hosts, first a man who watches more TV than any human being alive and for whom no corner of the televisual realm remains hidden. And yet, when I told him a few days ago where Star Trek Discovery would be airing in the UK, he responded with, and I quote, What the fuck is that? Uh, It's Boyd Hilton. Hello, Boyd. Hello, James. Yeah, I I mean, they've mostly found the
1: most obscure, little-known outlet for fucking Star Trek disco
0: that's ever been known to humanity. And Pluto's not even a proper planet. What on earth? But also with us, also with us, this week is a woman who had an even bigger shock this week when she was unexpectedly appointed to the Vatican as an honorary cardinal and apostolic nuncio to the Holy Seat for anime, manga and wimpole-related hentai. It's Beth Webb. You need to stop it.
2: Stop this.
0: (laughs) I'm never going to stop. Just don't expect it. It's it's going on forever. But more important than any of that, Beth, is of course the fact that we are now a transatlantic show as... You, Beth, are beaming in, like Starfleet Command, all the way from New York City, where you are, or rather were, enjoying a holiday. Isn't that right?
2: Hey, forget about it.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And my Brummie accent
1: was cause for concern, was it? (laughs) Yes, I I am. I hope you haven't said that. I hope you haven't said that in public, Beth, to anyone, uh, any I'm New I've said it to everyone. But, um, I've
2: made nothing but friends since uh, I've come here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. They've all wow. seen this country over there. You'll fit right in. It's fine. <laughs>
2: yeah, they have. They've got uh, an American version coming out, don't they, which is slightly upsetting.
0: Yeah, um, that's sure to be brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right. <fine. laughs> but yes, but I'm jealous. L- I'm
0: jealous. New York and Christmas is, is that's lovely.
2: It is beautiful. Very, it was very nice. I watched some of Hawkeye while I was over here, so it was nice to do that juxtaposed against the Manhattan skyline, which yes. I'm currently looking out at desperately. But I can't because I'm here oh, recording with you two. I'm so jealous.
1: I'm so jealous. <laughs> and you went to the Thanksgiving Day parade.
2: Yes, I did. I saw Baby Grogu all. 80 feet of him or however fucking big he was. Fantastic. That was absolutely please terrifying. bring that back. <laughs> That's how I'm getting home. It's riding riding mm. the back of him. Um like a tray in uh never story.
1: It did look amazing, I have to say. I'm so jealous I have been I've been to New York pretty much every year of my adult life since I was about ah. twenty, except for the last two years since since the fucking global um epidemic and everything. And yeah. I really need to go, so I'm very I'm furious that you're there and I'm not. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh my anyway. god, I need it. So one of one of the floats was a peacock float for the the channel, and it had I forget what the oh, Busy wow. Phillips show is. It's like a. Girls in the band, I think it is, and it was just Busy Phillips on the oh, back yeah. of this um, float, just shouting at people. It was really funny. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was great. actual Busy Phillips.
0: What more could you want? Actual, not busy an inflatable Phillips. Busy Phillips. Right. <laughs> okay. A,
2: literal Busy Phillips.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, we should get into this Star Trek debacle to follow on from last week's Star Trek debacle. So. <laughs> <laughs> due to the outcry which I like to think that our podcast started um, over hmm. Star Trek Discovery not appearing on Netflix or indeed anywhere outside the US when it landed there last week uh, they did a massive reverse ferret void. Uh Paramount Plus yeah. issued a statement yeah. to all of the international Star Trek Discovery fans and it read we hear you we love this series too we love it for the incredible cast the hardworking crew the blah 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 um <laughs> Therefore, during this transition, we are doing everything we can to get this new season to you as soon as possible. For information on where Divine Star Trek Discovery, go to Star Trek.com. Now, I went to Star Trek.com because I go that extra mile for this podcast, and they had additional information stating where it would air in the various territories. But crucially, when we got to the UK part of this, it said Pluto TV. The leading free streaming television service will drop new episodes at 9pm local time on the Pluto TV sci-fi channel each Friday, Saturday and Sunday with a simulcast running on the Star Trek channel in Austria, Switzerland and Germany. So, so the first two episodes, of course, having debuting on Friday, which was last Friday, November the 26th. Now, now mm. not only then is there a thing called Pluto TV, which I was unaware of, Pluto TV <laughs> also has a sci-fi <laughs> channel, which I was equally unaware of. And th- I think the most searched term on the internet last Wednesday was, what the fuck is Pluto TV? <laughs> because mm. genuinely, what the fuck is Pluto TV? TV. So it is a thing that apparently is owned by Viacom who also own Paramount and yeah. it is a free ad supported thing that you can yeah. watch. You can download an app, you can download it to your phone. There is an app. You can watch it on uh it's on Roku, you can find it around there. There's like an iOS app, you can watch it on Apple TV, whatever you do. Um but it's not a lot of it is on demand. Most of it is scheduled ad-supported broadcasting. So, like, Star Trek, it's on at nine o'clock and watch it at nine o'clock or don't watch it. Like, it was very much a kind of, like, Make sure you're there for Roman. it. Thing.
1: Um,
0: wow. The only saving grace of this is that they're also they also made it available for purchase on digital platforms. I think it's on iTunes and Google Play and whatnot, a few other things. So, beginning again on the Friday when it dropped on Pluto TV, you could buy it. So, if you didn't want to navigate, and frankly, you didn't want to navigate uh, Pluto TV, <laughs> you could just hop onto iTunes and, for your own sanity, shell out a little bit of money and and get it there. Which I, I think maybe I recommend more so. But but the upshot of this, the upshot of this is. Star Trek Discovery is here. It's it's among us. I've seen it. I feel better. I feel like a more rounded human being now. The first two episodes did go out. uh, And I have to say... I'm feeling a little bit cheated by not being able to make Beth watch the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. So we've not been able to review it, unfortunately. uh, But I will do so very briefly here and say they were fine. Um, (laughs) It was very, very sort of, I felt sort of stock Star Trek. Nothing too exciting, nothing to write home about. Mm. Uh, There was... I mean, in terms of noteworthiness, I will say there was a weightlessness thing, which I wasn't sure was supposed to be played for laughs, but certainly made me chuckle, um, which was, I think, a first. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I think that might have been a first. <laughs> in star trek comedy weightlessness but anyway uh there was that there was a terrifying future 32nd century ferengi i think it was a ferengi who scared the shit out of me and the head of the federation looks like i'm guessing a bajoran cardassian mixed race character so okay star Trek discovery season two so far it's a lot it's heavy on the spatial anomalies And not enough on what I like, think is like the political threat. Because I still think Star Trek Discovery Season 1 was the strongest with all the Klingon stuff in that worked really, really well. And then the sort of Lorca stuff and the Mirror Universe stuff was very good because it was was sort of political alien peril. And I think since they moved to the 32nd century, it's been a little too spatial anomaly oriented, what with the burn and now this other thing that I won't spoil for people who haven't seen it. And that is my not review of Star Trek Discovery. Brilliant. Beth, are you sad that you've missed it? Yeah,
2: I understood well, I understood about five of those words. Um, spatial anomaly, <laughs> you understood that. Political <laughs> spatial anomaly, whatever the fuck it was. And, and, uh, and
0: scary frangies. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah,
2: gutted. Gutted, I've logged on on Moffle <laughs> Day to listen to that. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> I will of course keep you posted as the season progresses. But so far I like not a banner couple of episodes, but I enjoyed them and and that's the important thing. Um yes. what have you guys been watching this week?
2: Uh well on the plane over I caught up on some uh some watching. I didn't watch Star Trek Discovery, in spite of me wanting to watch all of it and then tell you all about it. Uh I just You weren't glued the to
0: Pluto TV then.
2: No, I was not. Um no, I caught up on some shows I hadn't been watching but i meant to be watching. I watched um Wellington Paranormal the spin-off of the yes. spinoff of of what we do in the shadows and that was really <laughs> yeah. really good fun I really enjoyed that um it was scary it wasn't scary scary but I really like with with both of those spinoffs that they get the horror element of the horror comedy mm. really spot on there's some really fun kind of body horror um in it and some good some good sharp shocks actually I, I really enjoyed that um and I'm just a sucker for that kind of dry deadpan like new zealand delivery is always it always gets me so that was um
0: yeah
2: that was really fun and then i also took a look at the the show dave that kind of thing that's sort of set against little
0: dicky (laughs) little
2: dicky which was fine it was okay um boyd's a fan
1: aren't you boyd Boyd loves it yeah oh uh I really do, yeah. Yeah. Um Is it worth yeah, sticking? So I watched the first
2: uh, two and I was like, well this isn't Atlanta and I stopped. Um but you think it's uh, worth worth a bit of time. First
1: two of first two of season 2 or season 1?
2: Season 1, I think. Um there was a pretty explicit sexual episode about um a certain fetish that happened. Um and and little Dicky having his way with a sort of half-body sex doll—that was something. That was a little bit embarrassing to watch on a on a flight, but but I came with it. Yeah. So you say yeah. stick with it.
1: Uh, I do. Yeah. That, that those. Yeah. Sounds like season one. Um, I think it gets better and better, and um, okay. there are some absolutely outstanding episodes. Yeah. It's not. It's okay. not quite up there with Atlanta. You're right. Yeah. It's definitely not Atlanta, but it is in its own way. Um, as bold and uh, daring, and I mean, you've seen the, some of the daring aspects of it from the sexual, <laughs> yes. the sexual um, stuff. But yep. it gets, yeah, there's some really good stuff, really, really good stuff in it. Yeah, there's okay. a brilliant se- episode in series season two with his parents, um, where it just yeah, he kind of almost moves back in with them, and what happens? It's fantastic. Yeah, so That's, I really like yeah. Dave. Yeah, I think it's really good. The
2: parents are great. The parents are like George Costanza's parents, and yeah. I'm I'm very they, good for that. yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah yeah it's great um well i'll tell you what i've been watching james Go on, buddy. somehow in between um watching all the stuff we have to watch for the show for this podcast um obviously keeping up to date with dr who which by the way is absolutely loving the series i think the village of the angels episode which was co-written with maxine alderson with chris chibnall um, which went out last week was fantastic. The, the Weeping Angels, brilliant deployment of the Weeping Angels, and the one that go, that went out just yesterday, as you're listening to this on Monday, is is also awesome. That's the penultimate episode. So I think it's been a really they've done a really good job. So there's that. I've been keeping up with all the other stuff, but I managed to carve out seven hours and forty eight minutes oh god. to watch. <laughs> oh god, get back the Beatles <laughs> on um, <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah. On Disney I'm Plus. Oh, amazing. I, I've got, I, yeah. It is. The, there's various things to be said. I mean, I could bang on about it for about seven hours and 48 minutes myself. But um, if you're a Beatles fan, Beatles fan, Beth?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm saving this for Christmas, yeah. for a big Christmas word.
1: Oh, good. Very good, yeah. Um, I mean, James doesn't really understand popular music, so we won't, we won't <laughs> see if he likes the Beatles. All of that is fair. <laughs> assume he doesn't. Yeah. Um, anyway. It's 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 like a hangout. It's the ultimate hangout movie. In that, basically, you're hanging out with John Paul George and Ringo and their gang and their producers and engineers, etc. For nearly eight hours. Um, it's such a hangout um, situation that you're li- the first like the first part is in three separate episodes, separate parts. This series and the first one, which goes on for a few hours, you're literally just watching them rehearsing, trying to write songs together. Um, you know kind of messing around for hours on end and there's no almost barely any narrative or i think apart from that they have to come up with in theory 14 songs for a new album and tv special Ooh. and it kind of and it just it just nothing much happens and then suddenly there's a huge big uh, happening towards the end of the first episode involving george harrison and you're like oh so maybe deliberately you know Um, uh, Peter Jackson who pulled it all together and and directed it in quotes um, has has deliberately kept it going on on and on and on and on where nothing happening and then suddenly this George Harrison bombshell arrives which Beatles fans will know about anyway and it becomes even more dramatic than it would have been if he'd have cut it down as any normal director would have done to like (laughs) about an hour or whatever right this could have been like a two hour film I think the original plan was it was a film Right, and then Peter Jackson in Peter Jackson style, in the same way that The Hobbit, I think, became one film and then three epic three-hour <laughs> films from one like eighty-page novel, because Peter Jackson cannot edit things down. But in this sense, I think, I guess, in this, in the same way that Lord of the Rings and Hobbit fans don't give a flying shit that he's given us three, two trilogies, and you know, and and he can't edit, and he doesn't care, and he just gives us as much material as possible. I guess fans of Tolkien don't care because they love that stuff. Similarly, fans of the Beatles like me, I don't give a shit that he hasn't managed to hone this into any kind of coherent thing. And it's just an eight hour (laughs) splurge because I love the Beatles and it's incredible to be able to hang out with them for eight hours. So it's like everything good and bad about Peter Jackson is kind of summed up by this thing. And everything great about the Beatles is definitely in there because they are phenomenal. And it is just an extraordinary thing to watch and experience. But, if you're not a Beatles fan, I, I warn you now, it's basically you're watching them rehearsing the same song 157 times, basically. Um, with some incidents, with some incidents happening every now and then as they eventually go to the roof and famously perform on the roof, their last ever public performance in 1969 in their office on Savile Row. So, but generally it's an incredible thing to see. Thank you very much, Disney Plus
0: Peter Jackson, etc. <laughs> I have not watched that. You'll be unsurprised to hear. Um, I have, I, however, watched no. some surprising things. Now, one of those things was going to be a thing that I couldn't talk about again, uh, and it was that I've watched the rest of Season 2 of The Witcher. But And the only reason I'm going to mention that now, even though, obviously, I can't talk about it, is because I, saw, I interviewed Henry Cavill yesterday for this very podcast about yeah, Season 2 of The Witcher. Yeah, we all know. Of the picture of you, your bald head with Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I hadn't planned to mention that. It's not going to be on this podcast for a few weeks until Henry Cavill puts my bald head on his Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And I was suddenly inundated with messages from people saying, is this you? Is this you? Who surprisingly identified me only from the silhouette of my bald head, which I don't <laughs> think even my mum could do. So that's actually quite impressive stuff. Um, but yes, the uh, I did in fact get to, to uh, speak to Henry Cavill in what I think it's safe to say, might be the single geekiest interview ever conducted by anyone about anything. Uh, genuinely, it's quite something. So you can look forward to that in a couple of episodes' time. But I also, more importantly than that, I met Cal, cal his enormous great bear of a dog, uh, who he brought with him to the interview and that I may have spent a lot of the time either talking about or talking to. Um, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, very, very, very excited to meet Cal the giant dog. Anyway, anyway, that is not I really the surprising wish, thing.
1: I, re- I was really tempted when I saw that photo of your bald head and <laughs> very handsome Henry Cavill and his dog on the official Henry Cavill um, Instagram feed. I was really tempted to go, actually, in fact, it's me. It's not James all, <laughs> it's the
0: back of my bald head. Well, and finally, who would have known? Who would have- someone actually said that literally someone said that is that your head or void? Yeah. i can't tell yeah. I, yeah. like, I mean that's I know, fair I know. that's fair yeah and i've had people
1: asking me was it you i'm like i'm really tempted to go yes it was me James yes. is fizzy, yes. he's gutted, but actually I am the one. That, I mean, you know, eventually when the interview comes around on the podcast, people would have realised. But you know, yeah, you are the one talking fancy
0: novels and Warhammer Forty Thousand with Henry yeah. Cavill. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, oh. But th- that's not the most. That's not the most surprising thing. That is not the most surprising thing that happened this week. The most surprising thing mm. that happened this week is I bowed to listener pressure. So Ooh. I was called out on Twitter a number of times, as was Ooh. Beth, over the arrival of Arcane. On yeah. Netflix. Oh, Arcane yeah. uh, being an animated yeah. series, which, as Netflix is to do, they just dropped out of the ether, unheralded and advertised. Um, <laughs> and this is uh, produced by Riot Games, who make a very popular MOBA game called League of Legends, which has been around for ages. It's big in the esports scene. Uh, I have played it briefly many years ago and was never very good at it. But um, nevertheless, so it's based on that. So it's based on a video game. And everyone will say, you got to watch it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's really? Is it though? I mean, come on. <laughs> however, however, some people posted some gifts And I was like, oh, it actually looks unlike Invincible. It, it looks unlike a Saturday morning cartoon. It actually looks like it. Ooh, it looks quite nice. So I put on the first episode, planning to watch like a few minutes to see what it was like. And fuck me if it isn't really good. So <laughs> <laughs> it's... <laughs> Genuinely, boy, I'm here to tell you this is an animation I'm considering watching all the way through. And I, I no, recommend you watch it too. And and let me tell you why. So it starts with an incredibly bleak prologue in like an aftermath of a war, people like dying, children walking around, dead parents, like it's pretty hardcore. Like it's definitely not aimed at kids at all. Um, but more than that, the animation is absolutely on another level in entirely. Like, it is stunning. It's a mix of CGI and hand-drawn animation, but it's by Fortiche, which is a French animation studio based in Paris, Uh, and... It's just one of the most stunning things I've ever seen. Like, I can't... I mean, it, weirdly, <laughs> from a visual style, oh just in terms God. of technique, Mitchell's versus the Machines has that sort of similar sort of like, where you're like, oh, is it is it hand-drawn? Is it not? Is it is it digital? Which it is. But, like, it has that sort of same... Like, it evoked that same feel. Because I re- felt Mitchell's versus Machine had that really beautiful visual style to it. Mm. But this takes that and less cartoonifies it. Keeps it slightly within the aesthetic, I think, of the game. But more than that, it just looks absolutely stunning. And... It's not just that it looks stunning, like it's beautifully art-directed. It's incredibly well-directed. The shots are stunningly composed, as you would like the most accomplished live-action action. action. Uh, it's got beautiful sort of slow-motion sequences, lovely sort of musical, quiet interludes, like a piano bit that plays in there. I don't love the theme tune to the show, I've got to be honest. But other <laughs> than that, I thought the music in it was incredible. The voice actor, you got Haley Steinfeld is in it, playing sort of like, the, this is basically about two sisters who I think are characters in the game who don't get on, and this is all about why they don't get on. Um, you got Hayley, steinfeld as vi and ella pernell as powder who then becomes jinx Ooh. uh you know harry lloyd is in this shory agdashloo the godlike Shorey agdashloo from the expanse <laughs> is in this as well um,
2: <laughs> Bloody yeah, hell! No,
0: no she's amazing she's amazing she's been in <laughs> lots of things other than the expanse but she's best in the expanse um but genuinely this this is properly great stuff so much so that were i reviewing that this week there's a very strong chance it would be my show of the week. <laughs> um I think it's I think it's wow. genuinely fabulous. I really do. Like so if you like Boyd and myself are animation naysayers i would say this may well be the show that will turn your head not least of all because it looks better than most live action films and blockbusters but also it's just so beautifully put together it is like i just i'd love to see the storyboards for this because it's been so painstakingly staged and also even though it's an animation you know this is always a bugbear bear for me even though it's an animation the acting is not i mean it is a time it's a little bit like animation acting, a little bit heightened at times, but it's actually quite grounded. Like, it feels believable. It yeah. didn't alienate me. Like, I didn't get pushed out of the story by the the silliness. Invincible. Um, so, look. Arcane. Streaming on Netflix now. Watch it, people. It's great.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, my you have my to, Vatican yeah. chair. <laughs> Placing the yeah.
0: crown
2: on your head.
0: It's <laughs> like, my work here is done. <laughs>
2: Ab- ah.
1: absolutely reeling from this from this <laughs> revelation um did do you have to know something about the game no, that it's based on or Not at all. No, I think okay. it's one of these
0: where if you, I don't think I think they've actually done a very smart thing. So instead of trying to replicate the plot of a game that doesn't really have a plot, uh, they've instead looking at it's like the origin story of a few characters, focusing on these two, these sisters and their relationship. So they've kind of created a whole new. I'm assuming it's entirely new, uh, like a whole new narrative around this, and I think that's a really smart thing to do. So actually, I, I would say that its relation to the game is is you know minimal. So you don't really need to know anything about it right. uh, as. I don't, because I don't mm. remember either of these characters from my brief time playing the game. I remember Warwick the werewolf, who was, I believe, a jungler. There is no reason why you would know what that means, and I barely <laughs> understand what that means, but he is a jungler, uh, as opposed to, you know, like an AP carry. Or... <laughs> anyway, let's not get into that. So, um, fine, yes, Arcane, brilliant, loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. It was great.
2: Well, shit. Here,
0: end, here, end, here endeth well, the section.
1: Since it's not just you that likes it so much, I would normally ignore that, but since everyone else is saying it's good as well, I might have to try
0: it out. Yeah, no, it has (laughs) been. A lot of people, like, came to me specifically saying, you know, I know you don't like animation, but seriously, this is it. And they were right. Well, that is what we've been watching. Now, normally we'd move straight on to a listener question. We had a really topical one. It wasn't a listener question so much as it was a Boyd question, but... (laughs) We were going to talk about great shows that were just set in New York because Hawkeye set in New York. Beth is actually in New York, <laughs> but we had some, shall we say, technical difficulties because we are once again uh, doing this virtually on account of Ben. Ben, on account of Beth <laughs> being out of the country. Uh, so, <laughs> Ben, Beth. <laughs> so, so I'm saying we're going to have to skip the list of questions just for the pure fact that Beth has absolutely seriously tickets for a museum that she has to go to and we are keeping her from this so we're gonna press on now so let's press on now to this week's news obviously it's been thanksgiving last week so we don't necessarily have the world's most amount of news but there still seems to be a few bits and bobs going along anyone like to kick this off
2: uh we had a surprise but well, surprise to me a surprise trailer for euphoria season two and an air date uh, so, it's coming out on the 9th of January, and we got a full length trailer. I didn't even realize it had wrapped. Boyd, I don't know if you were aware of this, but I thought they were still filming. Um, so, this was a real surprise to me.
0: Yeah. Were you euphoric?
2: Uh, I mean, it looks pretty fucking bleak, to be honest. Partridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah Partridge. Um It looks like everything has been cranked up a notch. So, stylistically, it looks ridiculous ridiculously slick and beautiful kind of set pieces um very 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 yeah very stylish uh but it looks like thematically it's gonna get if even possible a lot darker um it looks like so Daya's character Rue, who is kind of our narrator through this, it looks like she falls into some pretty murky water with some dodgy dealers. Everyone looks a little bit miserable, beautiful than miserable, I think is, is how I would summarize the show. Everyone's beautiful, <laughs> but so sad. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like just, just everything's been cranked up a notch, but I, I am really looking forward to seeing it. it's a, it's such an exciting show, so yeah. January, yeah, January ninth for
1: that. I don't know where we'll get that here. I guess next day, next day, yeah, Sky, yeah, yeah, Sky Uh, Atlantic confirmed it'll be on on January tenth here. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looked, I thought the trailer was really good. Yeah, because it kind of actually, because you got the first bit when Zendaya is kind of singing along and dancing to Frank Sinatra, which is quite fun, you know. And then you're right, then all the then all the kind of bits and pieces you see the glimpses of the next season where people are being violent and horrible and on drugs and uh, generally looks quite nightmarish. But you it's, I think it's easy to forget just how um kind of amazing the first season was. I thought it was like yeah. in terms of visually, um, stylistically, uh how, some of the episodes, one of the episodes was like a horror film kind of thing. Um I thought it was pretty brilliant anyway. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it does look as you say, it does look like they've ramped it up even more this time round. That is that is a very exciting arrival early for for, for um Early twenty twenty two, definitely.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I've been a bit out of the loop. I've heard something about Pepper Pig. Is that right? Wasn't it like a, <laughs> like a one point five billion dollar acquisition <laughs> or something? Which is, which is fucking wild. Unless someone's just lied to me about that, in which case, like, fair play to it I believed it.
0: Is this off the back of the prime minister's speech? Yeah, oh. this was a Boris Johnson thing. Yeah.
2: Gosh. Um, yes. Yeah, so the prime exactly. minister.
0: For oh, reasons God. unknown, started banging on about Peppa Pig World, uh, and honestly, the less said about that, the better. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the Christmas, the Christmas uh, kind—not of schedules, but the first version of Christmas TV has been announced. So um, we know the big, like the big dramas that are coming up Christmas. BBC One, Around the World in Eighty Days with David Tennant um, as Phileas Fogg. Yeah. Um, there's going to be um, a Doctor New Year's Day special. Right. Um, which is, you know, after the, yeah, which is which will not be part of Flux, the current six-parter. A Very Luther Christmas? Uh, no, there is no Very Luther Christmas, you Damn it. crazy son of a bitch. Um, there is, however, a Very British Scandal, which is Sarah Phelps' new three-part drama, which is going to air between Christmas and New Year. Um, around Boxing Day, and I may or may not have gone to a screening of that, and I <laughs> may or may not have chatted to Sarah Phelps, and I may or may or may not have seen how brilliant it is, even though I think it's probably embargoed. Claire well, Foy, Claire Foy as uh, Margaret Campbell, who um, this extraordinary socialite who married the Duke of Argyll. And um, it's um, it's going to be it's pretty amazing, yeah. That's going to be pretty amazing. I mean, you tweeted um, this boy
2: to your like million followers. Did I? To your followers, yes, I like, think you thought it was yes, really good. I did, <laughs> but not no.
1: I actually, I very carefully, I very carefully said <laughs> it was a treat to go to the screening of Sarah Phelps' new show. I didn't give, I didn't say whether I thought it was good or not at all. I what I did say is what I did <laughs> remark upon. It was that it was it was the venue for this screening was so posh that when we went to the screening room and sat in our seats, a wine waiter came round to us oh, individually and filled up our wine glasses before the screening started. I thought that was spectacular, I have to That's say.
2: Ridiculous.
1: Very excited. <laughs> Mark Gates has got two, two special one-offs. Um, one on BBC Two, the Mezzo Tint, and one the amazing Mr. Blunden on Sky, on Sky Max. Very exciting. Um, and loads
0: of other stuff as well, but yeah. We won't go into it now. Good, good. Uh, what else has happened? So, live action Blade Runner and Alien series may be coming our way. Did you see this? So, yeah, uh, really I'm Scott was talking about to. It. Yeah. You're annoyed. Yeah. Is what, what, because they're sullying the franchises or yeah, because they didn't just, tell you?
2: Oh, Alien is long gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Alien. Yeah. I think Alien
1: was pre announced already, wasn't it? I think. I'm pretty sure. The, the TV. Well, it's gone backwards and forwards, hasn't it? There have right, been a few different possible things.
0: But I think we did know that was coming. But he was, I mean, think, uh, Ridley really Scott was talking to, I want to say, Radio 4, and he was saying that the pilot for a live action Blade Runner is already written yeah uh so that's very exciting a 10-hour tv show i think is in the works for that i don't know it depends like I, like if they can bring a tv show to life with the kind of visual flair that denny Vilner brought to to 2049 then i i couldn't be happier um i think it's a very rich world and i love the feel of it so yeah i i'm i'm actually quite excited mm. about that much more what? so than i am about the alien one which will yeah mm, no but
2: i i mean as long as they just let harrison ford rest they just leave him alone now like he looks Rest so or tired rust. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just looks so tired um so yeah, no i think Harrison. as long as they no they Harrison. leave him leave him to sleep yeah they li- fine
1: it'll be it will be deckard's it'll be deckard's like nephew or something there'll be some tedious <laughs> that's you know fine. but
0: just you just need uh, to be in that world you don't need the characters you just need to be in the world and have a bit I'm of familiarity sure. i think you i know.
1: don't know if we need to return to that world in a in a tv in a in an over long tv thing produced by ridley scott who cannot who by the way ridley scott's quality filter has to be finally retuned because he needs to spend more time on his films and not knock out two a year you know have you seen every ridley scott film ever made i mean the hit rate is slowing down isn't it let's face it let's be real Fucking i'm, I'm assuming
0: about. you weren't a fan of house of gookie
1: <laughs> house of gookie I mean, I kind of loved it in spite of Ridley Scott. Like, I liked, you know, I loved, I mean, yeah, I loved Al Pacino and I loved all the people in it and Lady Gaga and it was, but it wasn't quite as much fun as it needed to be as it should have been because it was doped by Ridley Scott. Um, and the one before that, The Last Duel, the near three hour thing with men yeah. telling us their versions of what happened when this woman was uh, raped didn't work for me either. Um, so yeah, anyway. And Ridley Scott blaming, by the way, I think from a similar interview round, Ridley Scott blaming millennials <laughs> and their mobile phones for why the last jewel did not work in the box office was absolutely hilarious. He is what, really entertaining. Thing? What, what
0: was his issue with mobile phones? He, he I said didn't see that, this. He said,
1: oh, he said... Um, He was on Mark Maron's podcast. So Mark Maron said, why do you think the the film flopped, you know, in put it in slightly nicer terms? He said, you know, he was like, do you blame Disney's marketing or lack thereof? Because they didn't really market it particularly. And Ridley Scott was like, no, they did a great job marketing it. No, they didn't. I mean, they literally practically ignored (laughs) it. There was like, there were no screenings, were there, for like advanced screenings at all, apart from like the day before. Anyway, um, so he's got. No, it's not their fault. It's the fault of fucking millennials on their mobile phones who don't want to learn anything <laughs> about history. It was that's like, amazing. no, don't think so, Ridley. Oh, I don't literally. think you're right. Anyway, that that's my amazing. that's my slight um, feeling about Ridley Scott. And to, and what was the TV thing? Brave New World. I mean, that was. Oh, raised by wolves. Right. Sorry,
0: raised by wolves. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Raised by yes. wolves. Yes. The ten hours that he still owes yeah. me back for having <laughs> right. sat through that. Right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's doing uh, too
1: much. Do less. Do less. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: my advice. I'm sure people will be listening, and we'll take the I'm sure he is. Yeah, but uh, but none of that matters, Boyd, because we heard more rumblings this week that Amazon is nearing a deal to bring us a TV series based on hit video game Mass Effect. The Mass Effect series may, in fact, be coming to screen. And you know how we we've been. Yeah, but, but earlier this year, when Henry Cavill, my close personal friend Henry Cavill, was making <laughs> season two of The Witcher, uh, he tweeted a picture of him in the makeup chair having his his very wiggy wig for Geralt of Rivia put on his head, and he had some 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 papers printed out he was holding it in the foreground so they were out of focus they were very you couldn't read a word of it and he was like secret project who knows and it was like hashtag secrets and then of course the internet being the internet were like dude photoshop exists we can unblur this quite easily so they took it into photoshop they unblurred the text and what it actually was it was a printout of the wikipedia page for mass effect so the thought is that henry cavill may star in this he may produce this mm-hmm. now if i were an in any way competent journalist i would have asked him about that instead of banging. <laughs> lot about warhammer 40,000 for 15 minutes and then another 20 minutes or something talking about fancy novels but hey <laughs> i am none of those things so i didn't and i have no idea whether he is or not but you know what do you want from me
2: gosh brilliant
0: um because i don't know anything
1: about computer games like that i i, I have no yeah i can't get It's very good.
0: It's very iconic video game by Bioware, uh, published by EA, and it sort of takes place in the future. It's a bit spacey. It's a bit Star Trek, a bit expansy. Oh, you'd love it. Um, Lots of stuff going on. It's good. It's good. It's it's a good narratively driven Mm. game, so it could Mm. be quite fun. Um, uh, But uh, what else has come out in terms of news? Arcane has been renewed for season two, so that's exciting for me. Oh yeah! (laughs) Can I say something funny about
1: that? Tell you something funny about that. I got that email, even though I didn't get any email. I don't remember getting an email telling me Arcane was on Netflix. By the way, no, neither did I we didn't deliberately snub it in this show. I think people assume that we snub every animation deliberately, but I don't remember being told. We didn't know about it. No, we didn't know about it, yeah. <laughs> we didn't, but I did get sent this email about the renewal of the, for season two. And uh, on the email, I, I I could try and find it on my, on my thing, but it literally said, Dear blah, 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 if you want to feature this story in the NME, um, please let us know. <laughs> like, oh, dear. yes, your, your round robin email, I'm afraid, has failed and I don't work for the NME. Um, yeah. So that was quite amusing. But, yeah, there's season two of that. The most exciting um, news of the week, though, James, come on. Come on now. You know what it is. Are you going is. to tell me it's
0: that uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo is going to play Sabine Wren in Star Wars Ahsoka? No. Obviously no. the character from Star Wars Rebels. No. No? no, It's not that. No, no, right, fine. no.
1: No, it's that. Russell. T- the next Russell T. Davis project has been announced. The, uh, the great man, TV's greatest uh, dramatist, is... Writing a three-parter for ITV, or has written, I'm not sure exactly which, in which Helena Bonham Carter, no less, will play Noel Gordon, the legendary actress who was in Crossroads, the iconic ITV soap opera that ran for years and years and years, way back then, that when I was a kid... I used to watch. And even then when I was like, you know, seven, eight, nine or whatever, I was kind of vaguely aware that it was a bit shit because it was like a famously like cardboardy set, like, you know, the walls used to shake. It was a little bit like Acorn Antiques, you know, Victoria Woods um spoof soap opera. There was a heavy amount of of Crossroads in in and Antiques and uh, that whole kind of rickety British soap opera set situation. But anyway, Noel Gordon was cruelly axed from it. She was the big matriarch of the show, and they sacked her. And um, Russell T. Davis is telling the story about what happened to her, the, the decline and fall. It's called Nolly, which was her nickname, N-O-L-L-Y. And just the idea that he's writing it, 100 of cards are starring in it. Nicholas Schindler, his producer, since Squirre's Folk, is producing it with her new company. Um, so, yeah, that is very exciting indeed, isn't it, obviously, James?
0: It is, it is. Anything RTD is doing, I am here for. Yes. But as time is limited and museums await for Beth, uh, shall we get on to this week's reviews? And we begin this week with Disney's Hawkeye, which we couldn't talk about last week. This is the latest MCU series to land on our screens and sees Jeremy. Jeremy Renner's Clint Barton team up with Hayley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop to take down the tracksuit mafia in New York. And of course, who better to tell us about it than our very own NYC correspondent, Bethany Webb?
2: <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but I actually had some context of this show because um, a friend who writes for Empire, Camberley Campbell, showed me some of the comics of this because he was like, there's a really strong parental theme in it. They drink a lot of coffee. I was like, this is Marvel's Gilmore Girls. We've got a Marvel's Gilmore Girls. <laughs> so I've, I've actually read some of the comics and really, really enjoyed them. So I was very excited for this and was not let down in the slightest. I've really, really enjoyed this. Um, so yeah, uh, as you said, it's sort of a, a two-hander, Hayley Steinfeld. Um, funny, she's now came with Ella Purnell as well. So that's two Two for two That's in our right. podcast, very exciting. But yeah, Hayley Steinfeld, who I, I love in everything. I loved her in um, Edge of 17, really loved her in Bumblebee. Um, she's amazing. And I think, mm. Yeah, she's great. So I think she's great at kind Dickinson
0: of, as well. She's very good in oh Dickinson.
2: Gosh, of course, yeah. So wonderful, great. Jeremy Renner, I was like, okay, we're, we're doing this. And, I, and, and it's, to be said, it is addressed very forthrightly and, and in a very funny way that, yes, he is kind of, the lovable dud of, of the Avengers. Um, there's a really wonderful conversation, very meta conversation between Kate and Clint um, as to, to why why he's got the spotlight on him for this. But um, yeah, so he's he's in New York spending Christmas with his kids. Very wholesome, very sweet. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kate is uh, caught up in some, some criminal shenanigans. Um, and she's... A very skilled fighter for for reasons that are addressed in this amazing set piece, uh, in the opening episode where she basically saw Hawkeye, um, killing, killing some baddies, uh, during the now this is where you lose me and I'm sorry, but during the big battle with the big flying things, uh, which impacts her in New York, there's a big battle in New York, loads of flying things, uh, and that impacts her her world as a little girl, and so she decides to. To train and protect her mum um and so she's got this kind of hero's love for for hawkeye um yeah and she gets caught up in some shenanigans uh clint has to come to her rescue and then it's this kind of very sweet battle between trying to help her and and kind of stop that from happening and just trying to get home to his kids for christmas so it's it's this really weird balance of kind of fun Family nonsense, and then Marvel action, and I think this this does it really, really well. It's really funny. There's a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, sequence with some larpers, which uh, Jeremy Renner takes place <laughs> in. Um, I just, I just like to see him have some fun while also kind of dealing with the the fallout of being, yeah, this this Avenger that sort of exists on the periphery, but at the same time has obviously experienced a decent amount of loss, and including his hearing. Uh, That's another thing. So he has a hearing aid in this and and I think that's quite good to show the actual physical impact of being, you know, a superhero that's had to save the world multiple times. Um, But yeah, it's really funny. The tone is just right. The two central performances are wonderful. The villains are a little bit bombastic um, and I hope they keep the silliness just so. Um, But yeah, I was I was all for this. I thought this was really, really good fun
1: yeah I think it, it, I agree I think the key to it for me I was slightly dreading it I have to say I, I'm, I'm you know I don't want to go all um, Martin Scorsese about Marvel and everything but um, I was starting to think feel, get a little bit you know weary of um, particularly the TV stuff I thought the Falcon and, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was was tedious mostly mostly tedious um, fair and yeah and um, you know so I was beginning to be a bit cynical about it and I like, do you really need and also Hawkeye I mean who cares really Um <laughs> But, but sorry, <laughs> sorry everyone. I never found him. I never found him a very interesting character at all. Even in in the Avengers films, it's like oh, who cares about him? Um, but having said that, Jeremy Renner is a very talented actor. Haley Steinfeld is obviously w- 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 great. And this is just—it's much lighter. It's just—it's light on its yeah. feet. It's um, as you say—it's really, as Beth said, it's fun. You know, that is the main word that comes to mind. Even with the kind of like bits that are quite bombastically look back on, you know, Marvel lore and touch upon all that. It doesn't feel particularly like it's weighing it down. Like it doesn't feel weighed down by like having loads of revelations about other Marvel characters that we're gonna see then reflected in the next four films or whatever. It's so even though it's obviously part of the MCU, it doesn't feel like I feel like a lot of Marvel stuff is weighed down by that, which is why I feel a lot of people take against it in that slightly cynical way by people who don't actually watch the stuff probably again Martin Scorsese um and every <laughs> film director gets asked about it and goes oh no they're all shit blah, blah 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 I'm not one of those people but I feel like the excesses of it do are reflected in that but this is like not excessive it's light on its feet the two they're great together Renner and yeah. Steinfeld and and for me I think I guess the moment when it all came the, the, the tone of it was crystallized for I me mean, was when they showed them going to the musical um, which was really Rogers, just, the musical. Rogers the musical which was like something I I've can covered. do Deep. this all day yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> clearly, this is... I haven't listened... Have you, have you done the Hawkeye Spoiler Special yet? No, but clearly we that's We have, actually. Happen. Oh.
0: Yes. Yeah. We have recorded the Hawkeye Spoiler Special. It is up now. If you want to subscribe right. to the Spoiler Special channel at empireonline.com slash spoiler specials, right. hear me and Chris and Helen and Amon bang on about the first two episodes.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. And I'm sure you've probably re-enacted <laughs> the entire sequence of the musical.
2: But <laughs> might yeah, have been a bit of that.
1: Maybe. That was like something of have your enthusiasm or something, you know, like, like Larry <laughs> Davidson. Taking part <laughs> <by> in the <effect. laughs> fake. In, yeah, a, in a fake musical. Amazing. That was really funny. Um, and, and Simon Callow, like to see Simon Callow, in the, sometimes with casting of Marvel stuff, you think like, oh yeah, you know, wait till they get around to so-and-so now. But I'm just genuinely like, oh, what the fuck, Simon Callow, this kind of quiet himself. You know, I don't know him, but I've, I I always think of him being quite an absolute lovey, one of the ultimate lovey actors of all time, Simon Callow. Uh, brilliant, obviously brilliantly talented, but to see him having a riot of a time. And frankly, like he, his performance, it reminded me uh, of like, like Naked Gun films or something, you know, like <laughs> really over the top. Pat- yeah. In a good way, you know, pan to mimic yeah. villain, but absolutely milking it for all it's worth and being very funny with Vera Farmiga and mysterious and why is he being so horrible to her, etc. So bottom line... Um, and oh, finally, one of the reasons, yeah, I was inspired to ask the question about New York, um, TV shows set in New York, um, because it looked, the use of New York is brilliant. I thought it was yeah. lush, yeah. luscious, beautifully filmed and lit. Um, use of New York at Christmas time. Oh, uh, James is currently showing us his Rogers musical. Yes, I got one of those as well. Thank you. I got a a Hawkeye Christmas jumper as well. Um, So did I. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, But so um, I love the fact that it's set in New York at Christmas and it is like a Christmas, that is a a bit of a masterstroke because people I love, generally I love, I'm here for Christmas set, films and TV shows, let alone New York Christmas set, TV Mm, and film. So it was lovely. And the way they did that was spectacular fuck knows when they filmed it how they did it i really want to know how they did it because it looks like the whole of new york is lit up for christmas somehow it does yeah yeah um so that was the final thing that um persuaded me that this is i am going to like the show and i'm going to love carry on watching the show so i'm fully here for it yeah it's good like
0: it's a it, it for me it's like it felt it has a real shane blackie vibe to it That it's, yeah. it's christmas it's a buddy comedy there's action in it and and as as we talked about in this special. special, like, i like the fact that we've gone from like massive stakes to the stakes in this are just will hawkeye get home in time for Christmas like that yeah. that is ultimately the threat level of this show yeah. I think it's actually quite a nice change of pace like Falcon the Winter Soldier was very self-important and didn't really work Vision is fantastic yeah. uh, because it's like a little puzzle box that you open and Loki for similar reasons like you were fumbling your way through something you didn't quite understand and it was, it was interesting but also broadened the mythology of the show and but yeah. it had quite a lot of weight to it you felt a quite an important show this feels the opposite of whatever an important show is like it's the most <laughs> inessential show ever but it knows it and I think it leans into that and I think I think Hayley steinfeld is one of the most charming actors working that she has this ability to just make any character incredibly likable and yeah. i think she plays well off his straight man extremely well i love their dynamic she's the kind of excitable fangirl and he's like the stoic doesn't really want to be famous a bit rubbish avenger yeah. and uh, it, yeah it's a lot of fun the only the only criticisms i think i kind of had of it were i maybe felt like as a buddy comedy the writing could have been a touch. Sharper. It had some good lines in it. Let's not mess about. It. it genuinely does have some really good lines in it. But I just felt like some of it, like I, I wanted, I wanted the the lines to have maybe a little bit more edge and be a bit consistently great. I'd like the the zinger rate to be a little higher. We've only seen the first two episodes. It might zing the shit out of the next four. <laughs> I have no idea, uh, and I really hope it does because it's fun. And yeah. you know, and I think this will, you know, it's introducing the character Echo, who's getting her own show. But generally, you know, we've got the pizza dog who's quite entertaining oh. in and of himself. No, um, I think it's I think it's got lots of personality. I think it's funny, and it's very, very, very charming as a show. So uh, obviously, you know, from the first two episodes, it's hard to say how this will sort of shape out, because it is kind of like a little mini-series in and of itself. But um, yeah, I am a fan. I like it. That said, it's not even close to being on the same league as WandaVision or Loki, but, you know. Yeah, I go.
1: mean you're right. I agree with you. The dialogue wasn't amazing. Yeah, you're right. But it was like the, the, the charm the charm and the chemistry between them was enough for it to for that not yeah. to be
0: much of an issue in the end. Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. They, yeah. they carry it with with you know charm alone. So um yeah. Hawkeye is airing every Wednesday. New episodes every Wednesday on Disney Plus. The first two will be available as and when you listen to this. Um next up we have yellow jackets or lady of the flies if you will uh this is a timeline hopping series that sees a girls football team in the 90s survive a plane crash in the wilderness where they survive at least some of them do for 19 months and turn into a bunch of savages or so we are led to believe as the story gradually unfolds via flashbacks from the present day and let me tell you right now this show does not fuck about does it Boyd?
1: No, it really doesn't. Yeah, this is I I I'd almost this this show completely sneaked up on me um, uh, because I was like vaguely aware of its existence um, and when it was announced. I remember seeing the announcement of the project and thinking, "Oh, what's that about?" It's about a plane full of teenage um, female soccer players in a crash. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I remember seeing that Karen Kusama is involved. She directed the first episode. I love her stuff. I think she's absolutely brilliant um director and so that was my main interest in it. and then and now it's come along kind of soon somehow sooner than I expected I don't know why I suddenly arrived on um sky uh, atlantic and it's it's really fucking out there it's really mm. it does um <laughs> it, it as you say it's uh, it's basically the structure of it is we introduce to it cuts between the characters as teenage girls um and getting ready you know their interactions being part of this soccer team football team um in high school and their kind of you know boyfriends and associates and friends etc and their parents and then it cuts between them as adults having years you know decades later when the secret of what went on after this plane crash and where they clearly it it it, it turned into a kind of ladies of lady of the flies or whatever you want as you refer to (laughs) it in this kind of where they were stranded hungry implications of possible and this isn't a spoiler this is all kind of like implications of i mean the first scene is yeah like (laughs) bloody violent disgustingness and weird like turning into weird like sects you know on the and intimations possibly of some supernatural element as well maybe but we're not sure um And it's got a very Stephen King vibe to it. It feels like an epic Stephen King novel because Stephen King does all these things. You know, he cuts between kids and adults, it's style, you know, Um, but there is no, uh, there's no novel. It's not based on anything. It's a, it's an original story created by, by the way, Ashley Lyle
0: and Bart Nickerson.
1: Yeah. So it's really quite odd. It's quite an oddity because almost everything, it feels like it's adapted from a big novel, but it isn't. It's an original story. Um, the cast is brilliant, both the teenage actors and the adult ones. Melanie Linsky, I think, takes the. She is phenomenal as this kind of pissed off, generally pissed off um, <laughs> woman who is in charge of like a teenage daughter. And she's kind of, she looks back on her life and, and, you know, kind of, and her erotic experiences with the teenage boyfriend. And she's clearly dissatisfied now. There's Tawny Cypress, who is um, a really interesting character that she's looking to become a. a, a she's going to become. Um, a politician. Juliette Lewis is in it. Amazing. I yes. love Juliette Lewis. Christina uh, b- absolute... Ritchie is in it. <laughs> yeah. Christina Ritchie. But Juliette Lewis doing absolute peak Juliette Lewis action yeah. <laughs> in every way. Love her in everything she does. You know, she's so kind of offbeat and weird and all of that. So the cast is great. I think the setup is fascinating and interesting. And it is like, feels like cobbled together lots of different things, Lord of the Flies, it, other Stephen King things. But it's really good. St- it's a really interesting story. I hope. I've only seen the first two episodes and they're really gripping and convincing. And the whole depiction of teenage life is very real. And the whole depiction of what they're like as adults is real. But I'm really hoping it doesn't go too supernatural because that is going to do the thing that Stephen King adaptations often do for me. And when it gets all supernatural in like the last third, it loses it for me generally. So I'm wondering if they can just about cling on to it being all the horror that happens that's about to unfold being it real rather than, in quote supernatural. That's just my own taste, really. But I'm really enjoying it so far.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've only seen the first episode, but it had me from the opening scene, which is ruthless and terrifying and then yeah manifests. so I, I don't know if this wraps up in the second episode but it's three timelines which is ambitious it's the yes, modern yeah. day um, survivors which is where we've got Juliet, um Lewis Christina Ricci um, and yeah Melanie Linsky who is just it just about steals the show, and I really like everything about yeah. this show. It says how how great she is. So it's it's them in the current day, and they're in this like support group together, which is a really interesting thing to to look at them reliving their trauma, but not giving too much away about what's happened. Uh, and then it's uh, just a few little sprinklings of of the the horror that is happening after the the plane crash. And then before that is their their lives is this kind of soccer team and. It's quite wholesome, but there's obviously a lot of tension simmering that you just know is going to manifest into the, the horror that you see post-plane crash. And I mean, I'm, I'm always skeptical about multi-timelines, trying to sort of mash them together. Sometimes the casting's a little bit off. Sometimes it's too much um, exposition, but here I think it's it works so well. Like, it's, it's so, so good. I'm really interested in every character and who's going to go where you know is is the little swat going to be the the leader because as well there's it alludes to cannibalism as well i think things things do not go well on the island after the after the plane crash um and so yeah i was i was thrilled by this i love karen kusama i really like there's this kind of second life now for film directors who have been done a dirty by Hollywood quite a lot of the time like people have not been kind to Karen Kusama and her work Jennifer's Body one of the best horror films ever um, so it's it's great to see her really sinking her teeth into this really vicious tort Uh Horror show, um and I love that it's an original as well as you say, Boyd. Like it has, mm-hmm. you know, it has echoes of King, but it is, it is its own thing in its own right. um And it's terrifying. It's really well written. It's got the kind of the best bits of teen shows: the ruthlessness of of young women pitted against each other. Um, there's heart as well. There's kind of a queer undertones between Ella Purnell's character Jackie mm-hmm. and young Menaely Linsky's character Sophie uh not sophie shawna sorry um Shauna. yeah yeah so um there's that sort of simmering away at the same time so there's like sexual frustration yeah i loved it i thought this was absolutely brilliant and i'm i'm really excited to see the rest of it it is i think it's going to stress me out but that's not a reason for me not to watch it i think i think it's great
0: I, I like that this show very much wears its identity on its sleeve. Like, So it's, it's teenage protagonists, largely, because obviously there's two timelines, but it, it goes out of its way from the very first scene to make 100% sure you know this is not a teen show. This is not <laughs> YA on any level. It is absolute pitch black, like yeah. it really is, and it doesn't mess about. Um, it's kind of like what would happen if Lord of the Flies kind of collided head-on with a Stephen King novel and lost. Like it has mm. lots of the, sort of these vibes together, yeah. whether it be the plane crash, the island, the timelines, but it's not even an island, it's wilderness, but um, I love this a lot. I like that it's got—it's uh, our second arcane crossover of the review section yeah. because everyone Els <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, it's—it's it's really good, and I think I think it was a smart move to have heavyweights like Melanie Linsky is fantastic, but to have like Juliette Lewis, to have Christina Ricci in the adult sections because you run a very very big risk of those being the least compelling parts of this show. So the three timers, so before the crash is really interesting because you're getting to know these these girls who are just fucking awful to each other <laughs> and i think that's probably like the, before this crash they all fucking each other over left and yeah. right like it's just the most dreadful. And then <laughs> so you establish that it's not that they're all oh, they lovely people and then the breakdown of society. Like they were pretty fucking feral when they were at school. And then they drop them in the wilderness. And then you see, obviously, it's like 19 months there. You see what happens, like the crashes in episode two. It's a brutal crash in the aftermath of the crash. And then we see glimpses of what happens over those 19 months. Like you see them like all wearing furs, and there's some hint of cannibalism. There's all sorts of shit going on. Like yeah. it's really dark. And then there's another. Mystery conspiracy in the present day, where they're trying to unfathom. Like you know, someone knows who knows what. Mm. Do they know? What are they hiding? What really happened? How is it going to impact their lives as adults? They're all traumatized by it. And Christina ritchie plays a brilliant sociopath named Misty. <laughs> um Yeah, it's it's really watchable. And actually, I found uh, because of that, because of these kind of heavyweights in the in the in sort of the latter time period, and because they actually make an effort to sort of bring the mystery. Because I always found with Lost, like when you any you flashed off the island with the exception of the Mr. Echo one actually. Any time you flashed up the island, whether it was a flashback, a flash forward, a side flash, whatever you want to call them, I always found that the least compelling parts of that show. And I was like, you're taking me away from the stuff I care about, which is what's happening on the island. Whereas with this, I actually found by the time I got into episode two, I found those modern sort of Time actually very compelling. And it was like, I like the island. I'd rather be on the island than anywhere else. But frankly, yeah. this stuff's really good too. So they, they strike that balance very well. So yeah, I think this this is a surprise. It kind of came a little bit, uh, if not out of nowhere, but it did kind of uh, land in my viewing list unexpectedly. And yes, love it a lot. We'll watch all of these without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Yellow Ooh. Jackets drops on Sky Atlantic on the 2nd of December at 9 pm and will be on now as well. Right, next this week as we plough on into our four-part review (laughs) section is Chucky or the continuing adventures of serial killer Charles Lee Ray in the body of that infamous good guy doll. Beth, tell us about Chucky.
2: Okay. (laughs) Uh, again so what what little i know about marvel i know even less about the chucky franchise uh <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me uh but yes this is uh from don uh, mancini again uh and this is yeah this is a serialized take on chucky um that explores i'm told explores more of, of what he wanted to explore more in the films but didn't really have the freedom to do that so this centers on uh, a high schooler called jake played by zachary arthur uh, and he picks up chucky at a yard sale because uh, he's obsessed with retro and not vintage items reason to hate him from the off but but bear with <laughs> us uh, <laughs> uh, and jake is jake is gay but um as closeted as he can be um he, or, or he's he's more afraid to tell people he's got an alcoholic dad. Uh he's not the kindest and he lost his mum uh when he was younger. But he's he's developing a, a crush on someone at high school. Um but there's a lot of enemies. He's got this really nasty um kind of high school corridor queen, um, and a bunch of people just trying to make his life hell for reasons that aren't especially clear, other than they're just fucking awful. Uh, and that's when chucky comes to life and kind of invokes his own reign of ta- terror on uh yeah the people that aren't aren't doing his owner uh, very much uh good so that's that's kind of the premise of it uh yeah uh it's very it, it's it's landing a lot from Riverdale, I think. Here there's a very kind of modern, breathy soundtrack of Lord Wannabe's, or maybe Lord. I haven't listened to a lot of Lord to be honest. Um, but there's lots of very like slow, moody sequences, um, fair bit of violence. I don't know. I, I wanted this to push further on the queer themes. I've only seen the first two episodes. Um, but it feels like it wants to do more, it wants to be more violent. Um but it just feels like it's kind of sat on its laurels a little bit and not really going to the lengths that it wants to. It felt a little bit numb to me.
1: Oh, I, I liked it more. I thought I I guess I guess I thought it was really um kind of, you know, I, I guess kind of amazing to have a 14-year-old gay protagonist, really. Yeah. Um you know, and I uh, and I and I thought it worked really well. I thought he was great. Um, Zachary Arthur is great as the as the characters, Jake. Um and I thought it was like I think it's like it feels like he, the creator, um, Don Mancini is like slightly torn between wanting to do the teen drama, probably his yeah. been wanting to do his old life, maybe, you know. It's like, you know, a Dawson's Creek slash weather, but with a gay, young, gay teenage protagonist, and and also have the hot fucking Chucky thing going on at the same time. So it's like, <laughs> on the one hand, I've gotta do this horror stuff, you yeah. know, and then the other actually Mo My Heart is is in this this story of this young guy dealing with his sexuality and the bullying, and his dad, his horrendous father, mm. who genuinely kind of I thought was scarier than Chucky, put it that way, yeah. because he's yeah. real and he's he's abusive to his to his son. I and mean, his son, I thought, I thought, I thought one of the little things that I thought worked really well was the the, the he's the artist, the creations that he makes of these of these dolls that he makes these mm. like quite elaborate. Rather good, I thought. Um, artwork, sculptures, if you like, made out of um, dolls that he's found in different stores. So that's the kind of I thought that was really clever. and I like, and then when, well, uh, I won't spoil it, but when something happens, I was really, I was gutted. I was really emotional. I was kind of, you know, emotional about that. What happens um, between him and his dad in that yeah. first episode? I thought it was really effective. So that stuff I kind of liked. I could have done without. I mean, I've seen some Chucky films, and they are. Entertainingly shit. I mean, they they are, <laughs> um, you know, in, in, to various degrees. But there's yeah. nothing scary about Chucky. Do you know what I mean? He Chucky is a funny kind of comedy horror creation to me. I just cannot get you know scared by this thing. But yeah. they do u- they do use him quite amusingly in in this series. But do you know what I could have just actually done without that whole side of it and just could. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by a story of you know a, a, a story of a 14 year old. Gay guy dealing with what he has to deal with in an American high school and an abusive father and all of that and moving then having to move you know and and, you know seeing what happens with his extended family etc. So I I did like it. I did like it. I think I liked him. I I I thought it was um,
0: I thought it was pretty effective what it was trying to do I think the first child's play film is is perhaps less comedic he like, gets progressively yeah. stupider as it goes right. along yeah. Yeah, you're, and suddenly yeah. the extended Chucky verse you get Bride of Chucky Cult of Chucky yeah. it's just mental Like it's, yeah. off I think the, he's it's bride- just off the wall yeah exactly yeah um, whereas this I think this strikes it strikes an interesting tone I actually didn't want to watch this in the slightest <laughs> but actually I quite yeah. liked it I think it manages to strike that tone between the ridiculous and the pointy and and like as you say has an emotional punch in the relationship between him and his father and and chucky also it's not just mindless slashing like obviously it's brad durif back doing the voice of chucky and um i like the fact that it's not just like there's a part where he sticks up for you know the boy by mouthing off to someone who's bullying him like and it's just like it's not necessarily murderizing them although i'm sure that will come Um, yeah but uh, but yeah, I liked the relationship between them. I liked it was interesting, and you do have those sort of the, the sinister moments again. It's the beats we've seen before, like when he opens up the battery compartment and there are no batteries in there, but it's been talking. What's going on? Um, look, it's not high art or anything. <laughs> it's not <laughs> pretend. This is going to be dominating the Emmys or anything. But it's it's you know it's fine. And actually, I think if people have enjoyed the Child's Play films, if they're actually into that, if they like them, then they'll love this series. I do wonder whether there's a lot here for people who are not already you know part of the chucky faithful um
1: but I, knows, I think who knows i i thought i think people will find it
0: interesting i think for, you they, know it's i don't
1: think it's well it's not every day that you get a teenage i have to say again, again, repeat myself yeah. a that teenage gay protagonist of this kind that of is true. It, that it's, is true it's interesting even so. less
0: that you have a teenage gay protagonist with a homicidal living doll
1: right who's on his side right that's <laughs> you make a good point yeah. actually that that is that is an interesting. There's interesting morality going on, and you know, because yeah, you're right. Chucky's kind of defending the young gay guy who's being bullied, yeah, um, both by his father and at school. So that is that is a very interesting. Now I come to think of it, actually, because I was slightly dismissive of the Chucky element, but now I
0: come to think of it, that is quite a clever little way of deploying Chucky. Oh, we're watching a live reverse ferret. Yeah, yes! well done, Chucky. But, I mean, this, is,
1: this is this is generally way better than, than it needed to be, though, isn't it? I think I just yeah, think in yeah, terms genuinely. Of, yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. absolutely
0: true. Uh, it could have skated by on being a far lesser show so it's a lot better than than certainly I thought it would be but uh, Chucky arrives on Sky Max on the 3rd of December at 9pm and also on now Finally, this week, we have You Don't Know Me, based on the novel by Imran Mahmood and adapted by Vigil's Tom Edge. Uh, and this one sees Angela Black's Samuel Adawanmi as hero. And he's a man charged with murder who stands up, let's be honest, quite unconventionally. I should point out Imran Mahmood is a defence barrister. I'm not sure this would wash in court, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, <laughs> where a guy fires his lawyer, decides to give his own closing statement, and launches on a mini-series-length monologue <laughs> outlining its entire case but sure let's just go with that because he stands up in court to give his side of the argument boydy what do you know about you don't know me
1: well i am a legal expert so um <laughs> i will say that i think you're right yeah there's a funny bit halfway through roughly halfway through episode one where um samuel uh me as hero um has launched his is well well into his uh, monologue in which he is explaining what really happened to him, having dismissed his um, lawyer, his defence lawyer, and suddenly the judge pipes up and goes, "You do realise you're not supposed to bring in new evidence in the closing statements at trials because he's literally explaining his whole fucking life story to the to the jury and the judge at this point, and he's definitely bringing in new evidence and new and new, new whole new stories and narratives." But I love the idea of this. I think. I mean, I haven't read the novel, but from the sound of it, um, the novel—it's a novel length, entirely based on his um, closing statement at trial. The main character's closing statement at trial, who explains what went on from his point of view. In the same way, this four-part, four-hour drama series is entirely, effectively, being told in flashback, if you like, by this guy in his closing statement and having back. So it's a—it's a cunning. Um, you're right. It's an, a slightly, it's an unrealistic and yet cunning device because you admire the the pluck of everyone involved in trying to pull this thing off. And I think key to it is Samuel Adewami himself, who I think is great. And he was really good in Angela Black, that just finished yeah, recently was. a few weeks ago on ITV, that I really enjoyed. Um, and I think he pulls it off. I think he's great. And Bucky Backray is in it, who is absolutely yep. phenomenal oh, in Rocks. She's yeah. brilliant. Um, so the cast helps a lot to persuade us. And in fact, Tom Edge is writing as well. I think Tom Edge is very good at this stuff in, in um in, in kind of in, in pacing out a thriller narrative and keeping surprises and you know reveals, etc., from you. So I really enjoyed it. I without one, I'm sounding very boring because it's a four for four this week for me. On and you know, i I enjoy all these enjoyed all these shows. It's a bit, yeah. you know, I you know, and I'm known for being quite positive, but <laughs> um, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm fascinated to know. I'm fascinated to know where this goes, how it, because by the end of the first episode, you're like, oh, I, well, I think I've established what happened then, because he kind of explains roughly about what happened to this crime that he's been accused of, and it looks like an open and shut case. And then by the end of the first episode, you're like, oh, so it's not, he's totally explained what happens, but then there's three more hours of this <laughs> to go, and I'm fascinated to know where it goes. So I'm I'm fully hooked, I have to say. Uh,
0: yeah, no, I, I thought this was was, was fantastic. I, I, I did not know what to expect from this, but he's really, and it, it does hinge on his performance. Like, he's incredibly charismatic, very likable, but he's a very compelling storyteller, which fundamentally, you really need him to be in this because he's recounting this whole thing. He's narrating it all and he's going through it and you're seeing it through his eyes From Hero meets Kyra, his girlfriend, she goes missing, but obviously, and so, so it's all layering out because I don't think at the end of the first episode it's tied up. I think it's only no. just beginning. Like you know, he's yeah. gets the point. Like like you think I killed this guy, but I didn't. And this is the story of why. And I think we're we're starting to unpack what I suspect will be a very very impossible story. <laughs> Seems a bit far fetched, but I am absolutely gripped by it. I think his performance is great. I think Sophie Wilde who plays Kyra is fantastic in it as well um, yeah this was a real surprise for me and like, and it's been a good it's been a good few weeks I would say for you know British courtroom wiggy dramas with <laughs> yeah. lots of barristers like rolling around like you know yeah. having sort of come straight off uh, show trial and now yeah. sort of straight into this I'm really getting into this because we don't get a lot of like British courtroom stuff certainly nowhere near enough like the, given the amount of American courtroom stuff there is and British courtroom stuff has its own special charm and yes not all, all that much of this takes place in the courtroom. It may takes place in the flashbacks, yeah. but you know it's it's really it's it's really good. It is really good. Mm. Um, so yes, loving this as well. Uh, and you don't know me starts on Sunday, the fifth of December at nine PM on BBC One, and and makes for yeah a, like a, a four pack of well a three pack of really good shows and also Chucky, which was good.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but but what else what else is out this week that we have not covered, Boydie Now so. I no. like Lost in Space returns on the 1st of December for its third season, a show yes. that I thought Netflix had forgotten about after the first season, but came back for a second season, and now it's coming back for a third season. Uh, yeah, so third Lost in and Space, final. Third and final, yes, yes, yeah. that returns. The Hot Zone Anthrax, that's the Hot Zone uh, that obviously we reviewed the first season off. Season two is The Hot Zone Anthrax, so it's obviously it's an anthology, so it's a different story. But that comes to National Geographic I don't know if that's where the first one aired, but anyway, the second series airs on National yeah. Geographic, then comes on the 1st of December. Alex Ryder returns for season two. That's now on IMDb TV. Uh, that was Amazon last time, wasn't it, Boyd?
1: It was, but you can only get yeah. IMDb TV via Amazon. So it's a slightly yeah, you weird. Can. It, they're just yeah. kind of re-brand, like Yeah, yeah it's Because, I mean, yeah. they're owned
0: by Amazon anyway, aren't they? So, yeah. it's, uh, so Alex Ryder is now on IMDb TV via Amazon. Uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous Season 4 lands on Netflix on the 3rd of December. Uh, Superman and Lois Season 1 drops on the BBC on the 4th of December. Have you seen that, Boyd?
1: No, I haven't, no. But yeah, you're right. It That's does. the it's latest Arrowverse show. Yeah, Saturday, Saturday tea time slot. Yeah, weird. Yeah, And, and yeah. it's going to be on iPlay. I think it's all on iPlay as well. Yeah, you well, haven't mentioned that... You know the big one. Come on. La Casa de Papel. <laughs> <laughs> La Casa de Papel. Yes. Part 5. Part 5B, the final, yeah. final episodes of yeah. Money Heist, a.k.a. La Casa de Papel, arrive on the 3rd of December. Um, very excited about that. Harlem, do you know about that? It's, it's kind of like, um, it's about four women in Harlem. It's a comedy.
0: It starts on yeah. Amazon Prime on the 3rd as well. It's supposed to be quite good. Lots of stuff. That is, broadly speaking, it. Now, here's the, here's the big question. What is your pick of the week?
2: I'm going to say, wow. and I did love Hawkeye, but I'm going to say Yellow Jackets. I, I love yeah. this show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yellow Jackets. Yeah. Also, for me, would be Yellow Jackets, but I'm going to say Arcane as well. Yellow Jackets and Arcane. I'm going to get what that in there. What is um, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm chucking an animation in. Gone. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that is it, finally, for this week's show. Uh, do bring us all your five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and, like Henry Cavill, feel free to interact with me and, indeed, Boyd and Beth, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb on Instagram. Uh, next week as we draw ever closer to Christmas, there is a veritable bounty of things arriving on our screens. Uh, we've got Landscapers on Sky, which we might just have special guests Olivia Coleman and David Fewless on the show to talk about that one next week. Uh, there's also Sex and the City series just like that, which we almost certainly won't see in time. Boyd, am I right in saying that? Yeah, let's seem... No, yeah, no screeners. <laughs> okay, brilliant. That'll be on, but we won't see it. Uh, but but that doesn't matter, Boyd. It doesn't matter mm. at all. Do you want to know no. why it doesn't matter? Because Boyd, even that pales let me, let me pales. let me think. Pales. Think. let it's me think hold on
1: hold on wait a minute first of all it's my birthday next week it's a birthday yeah and the, i think the day after my birthday
0: yes boy um
1: it, yes it, boyd is it is it can it be the final season of it,
0: it can, can it be it can the it expanse is, yes the event of the week nay the year the <gasps> sixth and final season of the expanse i cannot wait for beth to watch this one having no fucking clue what is going <laughs> on this is gonna be you brilliant to uh, oh it lands on amazon on the 10th and i cannot wait
2: <laughs> Beltalona!
0: pilot out